Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The Peter Schiff Show. Well, it looks like the Republicans on Capitol Hill, with the blessing of President Donald Trump, are trying to repeal one big health care program and replace it with another big government entitlement. I mean, there they're calling it Trump care. I mean, first they were saying it's Obamacare light. But now they're kind of embracing the term Trump care. Whatever it is, it is not going to work. It's just going to be another disaster just wrapped up with a different package. But even before I get into explaining this, I want to talk a little bit about the GDP numbers in the Atlanta Fed. Because in my last podcast, I mentioned that even though the Fed was getting closer to the point with which it was going to supposedly raise interest rates again, even though it was talking tough on raising rates, the GDP estimates were collapsing. Well, they collapsed again today. Now the same Atlanta Fed that was at 1.8% for Q1 GDP is now at 1.3% as of today. Now, when we began the month of February, on February 1st, they were looking for 3.4% GDP for the first quarter. And if you go back and listen to my podcast that I recorded at the time, I said they're kidding. They got to be crazy. There's no way we're going to get 3.4%. They're going to have to come down. And that's all they've done is come down. And now we're at 1.3% and falling. Now, maybe part of that was because we got the worst trade deficit today in five years. Although I think the numbers were highly anticipated. So I don't know why that would have come as a surprise. But, you know, we got consumer credit for December that came out. And it was a huge drop in the increase of credit card debt, meaning that consumers took on a lot less credit card debt than Wall Street expected. Now, that's a good thing. I don't like Americans going deeper into debt to buy stuff. But when you've got a bubble economy that's 7%, people buying stuff they can't afford, and when they finally stop going deeper into debt to buy stuff they can't afford, you got a problem if that's where you're getting your GDP. And, you know, Houston, we got a problem. And so we'll see if this 3% holds up, we could get some more downgrades. 
before we actually get the number. By the way, we do get a jobs number this Friday, which is supposedly the only thing standing between us and another Fed rate hike. Although, to me, I don't really think it matters what the jobs number is. I mean, if the Fed wants to raise rates, they're going to do it. I think the only thing that would change their mind would be a big drop in the stock market. Now, we haven't gotten that yet. I mean, if the stock market does drop sharply between now and I think March 16th, I think is the date that they're supposed to um, raise rates. And also, I think that's the day where the debt ceiling comes back. You know, they suspended the debt ceiling under Obama. They didn't just raise it. They suspended it. So the sky was the limit. But I think March 15th or 16th, that's the date. All of a sudden, the debt ceiling comes back and it's $20 trillion. And, you know, if we're not above it, we're close to it. So the government is going to run out of borrowing capability unless they vote to increase the debt ceiling. Now, whether we have another battle over the debt ceiling remains to be seen. Because look at these coward Republicans in Congress. Because when uh, President Obama was still in office, the Republicans passed a clean bill to actually repeal Obamacare. There was no replacement language. It was just flat-out repeal. Everything, all the mandates, all the taxes, lock, stock, and barrel. They sent it up to the White House. They all voted for it, knowing that President Obama was going to veto it. So it didn't matter that they voted for it. It was all show. It was all for the voters, right? All pomp and circumstance. It wasn't real. Because now you have the same Republican Congress, only a Republican president who potentially could sign the repeal bill, and they won't present it. They won't pass it. They won't vote for it because they don't really want to repeal it. They want big government. They just want their version of big government as opposed to Obama's version or the Democrats' version so they can take credit for it because that's really all they want to do, right? This whole thing that they are proposing is another government entitlement. And I'm going to explain this thing to everybody who listens to my podcast, and I'm going to explain this in a way that I haven't heard anybody explain it on on television, right? I ha- I've read some articles. Nobody really understands. I don't know why. I mean, this is basic economics. I don't know why there's so much ignorance about basic economics or concepts like moral hazard uh, in the mainstream, but you're going to get an explanation here. So when this podcast is over, share it with your friends, right? Anybody who wants to know the truth about this Republican replacement bill, Trump care, and wants to know the real effect of it, they got to listen to this show because they're not going to hear it anyplace else. Oh, and one other thing I wanted to mention before I forget, and I didn't want to put it at the end in case some of you don't listen all the way to the end, but I've been meaning to mention, and they don't have that many tickets left now. It's almost sold out. But if you can be a last-minute traveler, I am talking on an investment cruise, the Real Estate Guys Summit at Sea. This is going to be like my fourth or fifth time going. I have a great time with these guys. So if you're into learning about real estate and real estate opportunities and how to invest or syndicate real estate deals, but also hear from me because I've been one of their feature speakers and they have some other good hard money, hard money guys that come on the cruise. But I bring my wife. I bring my, my kids. It's, it's a lot of fun. These guys have a great sense of humor. They have a band. My wife actually is the lead singer in their band, the Tequila Shooters. But they have a lot of good entertainment. It's a week at sea. I believe we set sail at the end of this month from Houston, Texas. So you have to be able to take a week at sea. Uh, If you can take the time off, it's well worth the cost of the admission. Uh, Go to their website, realestateguys.com. Not sure how many cabins they still have reserved, 
it's pretty easy to get a flight right down to Houston. So it's no problem getting a flight. They've got a few cabins, I think, left over. So come and join my family, my wife, my kids, and me, and listen to some really good speakers and have some fun. It is tax deductible. At least part of the trip is tax deductible. So again, it's the Real Estate Guys Investor Summit at Sea. Go to their website, realestateguysradio.com to sign up. But let me get back to um, this Republican replacement bill. And by the way, there are some good Republicans, the Liberty Caucus, you know, Justin Amash, my favorite, Rand Paul. They are standing up. They are trying to call uh, the Republicans out for trying to pass this monstrosity. Right. But I don't know that they're going to have the, the votes to overcome the rhino Republicans that dominate the Republicans in both the House and the Senate. You're also probably going to get some Democrats that might. Uh, work and cooperate with the Republicans and help pass this thing so that Donald Trump can sign Trump care, right? I mean, he puts his name on everything, so I'm sure he'd like to put his name on, on Trump care. But here, here's the deal. So first of all, they are repealing all of the mandates that came with Obamacare. They're repealing most of the taxes, you know, the extra tax on uh, investment income, that 3.9% tax on dividends and capital gains. That's going. And in fact, Nancy Pelosi, and I'm not making this up, Nancy Pelosi said that this plan is the biggest transfer of wealth from the poor to the rich, the poor and the middle class to the rich. It's a huge transfer of wealth, right? Well, what does she mean by that? The only thing that the rich are getting is they're getting that tax repealed, right? The tax that Obama put on them, they're, they're taking it off. They're not getting any, any health care benefits because whatever the rich were going to get, it's all phased out, right? So all of the new entitlement comes to the middle class. If you're rich, you're not going to get any kind of subsidy at all. You're just on your own. You just got to go out there and you got to buy insurance, right? So the only thing the rich get is they don't have to pay the new tax that was part of Obamacare. And this means that Nancy Pelosi says, oh, this is a giveaway for the rich, right? This is the rich stealing uh, from the poor. It's a huge transfer of wealth. But let, let me get this straight in this Orwellian world that we live in. So if we are taxing the rich at, let's say, 40%, right, and we lower the tax to 35%, right, so now we're taking 35% of their income as opposed to 40%. The 5% that the, we're no longer taking is counted as money that they're getting, right? We're stealing the money from them because we're not stealing as much as we used to, right? We used to steal 40% of their income, right, and give it to other people. And now we're just going to steal 35% of their income and give it to other people. And that 5% reduction in what we're stealing from them, Nancy Pelosi says, no, 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 the rich are stealing that from the poor who never had it in the first place. Oh, in other words, you know, if you're getting money from the government, if the government is giving you money that you didn't earn, and now they give you less, that's called robbing from you, right? I mean, look, look, look at the ridiculous of this. So if you give money back to the person you stole it from, that's theft. And if you don't steal as much, or if you don't give the person who is the recipient of the stolen goods, if you don't give them as much stolen stuff as you were giving them before, that's defined as robbing from them. So this, this is how, you know, she's out there on the stump talking about this. But so we get rid of those taxes. We you get rid of the mandates. But... They keep, right, the Republicans are keeping the prohibition where insurance companies cannot charge sick people any more than healthy people, right? So no matter what you have, you come in and you've got terminal cancer, right? You've got a brain tumor and you need 
hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars worth of medical care right now, you're going to be charged, right? They can't charge you any more than somebody who's got, is in perfect health and has nothing wrong with them. That is ridiculous. But that is what the, the Republicans want to give the voters, right? You can be as sick as a dog and, you know, you can't be charged any more than, than people who are healthy. Now, the way the Obama administration tried to, you know, stop the moral hazard, right? Because, of course, why buy insurance if you can just wait till you're sick? Well, the way Obama tried to do it is with the tax penalty, the penalty tax, right? If you don't buy the insurance, you pay the tax. Well, I said from day one, no one's going to buy insurance. They're just going to pay the tax because paying the tax is cheaper than buying the insurance. And I was exactly right because that is exactly what happened. And that's one of the reasons that premiums kept skyrocketing because none of the healthy people wanted to buy. So the only people who were buying were the sick people who needed the coverage. And so the coverage gets more and more expensive. So you can't do that. The Republicans don't have the guts to tell the voters that they can't have something for nothing. You can't wait till you're sick to buy insurance. I mean, if you're going to do that, why not do it for life insurance? Why not tell life insurance companies, hey, you know, you can't discriminate against people based on their health, right? So if somebody is dying and they want to buy life insurance, you got to sell them the policy at the same rate as somebody who's healthy, which is ridiculous. You can't, the older you are, the more expensive life insurance is. Why? Because you're closer to death, right? Well, so you have to be able to discriminate based on age, based on health, when you're selling life insurance. Well, it's the same thing when you're selling health insurance. When you're young and healthy, insurance is cheap. If you're old and sick, it's really expensive, right? That's just reality. That's life. But the Republicans don't want to level with voters and tell them that that's life. They want to give them something for nothing. So the Republicans have a different way of supposedly dealing with this moral hazard. They're not putting a penalty tax on not buying health insurance. So under the Republican plan, you are totally free not to buy insurance. Individuals don't have to buy it. Companies are not required to provide it, which is, that's, that is a positive of the plan because now you don't have all these companies that have to keep 49 employees, right? They are called 49ers because they can only have 49 employees because if they have 50 employees, now they've got to provide insurance. So they only have 49. And then they employed all these 29ers. The 29ers are the people who can't work 30 hours a week because they'd be considered full-time, so they work 29 hours a week to be part-time. So at least the plan does away with that, right? There's no reason to be a 29er or a 49er because the plan no longer requires employers to provide health insurance to their uh, full-time employees, nor does it punish them with a fine if they don't do it, right? So the Republicans got rid of all the punishments. So how is it that they think they're going to get over this moral hazard. Because if insurance companies can't discriminate against you based on how sick you are or what you have, why buy insurance? Just wait till you get sick. Well, what these geniuses at the Republican Party have come up with is something that they think will work. Right? And this is what they said. They said that insurance companies cannot discriminate based on somebody who's sick. But if you don't have insurance, and you want to buy it, right? So you have a lapse in your coverage. You're not trying to change insurance from one plan to another, but you don't have any insurance at all, right? And now you want to buy some insurance. They can charge you 30% more than somebody who's had it all along. So if you have a lapse in your coverage, the penalty is your insurance premium is just 30% higher than what you would have otherwise paid if you were completely in, in great health, but you can be dying of cancer, right? Well, a 30% increase in your premium, well, that's no big deal. I'll take that all, all day long. 
I'm not buying insurance. That's what's going to happen. I mean, let's take the example of a young person. Oh, let me go back to and say what they also do is instead of having a government subsidy, a so-called government subsidy, there is what they're calling an advanceable tax credit. And it's really not a tax credit because you get it even if you don't owe any taxes. So it's really like welfare, uh, but they, they don't want to call it that. They want to call it a tax credit, but you know you get it even if you owe no taxes. But it's an, it, it, you get it in advance, and it's based on your age and for families, how many people in the family. So the most you can get is $14,000 for a family. And the minimum is 2000 bucks, and that's what you get if you're an individual. If you're a guy in your 20s, I think you get a $2,000 credit. And as you get older, you get a bigger credit because, you know, you get, you know insurance is more expensive as you're, you're getting older and have a higher probability of actually needing it. When you're very young and you probably don't need it, you can get it cheap. So the, the government is giving out these, uh, you know, welfare payments. This is a brand new entitlement. Every American is entitled to get a check from the government that they can use to buy insurance. Now, one good part of it is if you don't spend all the money, right? If you're a family of four and you get $14,000 to buy insurance, if you can find the insurance for $12,000, you can pocket the difference. You can put the $2,000 into a health savings account. So that, in theory, should help uh, Americans uh, to try to bargain for better insurance coverage because they get to keep the money they save to the extent that you buy an insurance policy that is more expensive than the $14,000, well, then you have to come out of pocket. And of course, these subsidies are only for people who do not get insurance through their employer, right? So you have to buy it on your own. If you're getting it from your employer, then you can't get the credit. Now, of course, this might cause some people who are now getting it from their employer to, to forego that, right? And just get it on their own so that they can qualify for the free money. And of course, if their employer is no longer providing them with health insurance, he can give the, he can give the employee a raise. Of course, that raise would be taxable now because right now employees get health insurance from their boss and it's tax-free, right? So if now you get cash instead of health insurance, well, you're going to pay taxes on the cash. But to the extent that that tax payment is still low relative to the free money you're getting to buy, buying your insurance, so it, it might cause some people who are now getting insurance from work uh, to buy it on their own, which would be better because I wish nobody got their insurance from work. It's a complete disaster. That's part of the problem with third-party payers is that the, the consumer is removed uh, from the process. And so to the extent that more people buy their health insurance the way they buy their life insurance or auto insurance or fire insurance, it will, it will keep costs down. But the reason that costs are not going to go down is because of this larger issue that I'm describing now which is the fact that healthy people are not going to buy the insurance because there's no reason to. So let's say you're a guy in your 20s and you're going to get a $2,000 uh, tax credit to buy insurance. Now, I'm not sure what insurance costs for a single guy in his 20s, but let's say it's $3,000 a year. Right? And if it's not 3000 a year, it'll get there quickly. I mean, if it's under 2000 a year, right, you'll buy it, right? If you can buy the insurance for $1,500, well, buy it. It's free, right? And then you get, if you buy it for 1500 you get 500 in your pocket. So, you know, as long as you can buy the insurance for less than a tax credit, yeah, everybody will buy it as long as it stays that cheap. But the minute insurance becomes more expensive than $2,000, let's say it's $3,000, right? You're a young guy, you're 21 years old, and you... you Insurance costs three thousand dollars, and you're healthy, right? If you buy it for three thousand, the government gives you two. You're out of pocket a thousand bucks. 
What if you just don't buy it? Just don't buy it, right? But, you know, save $1,000 a year. Now, let's say years down the line, you get really sick. It turns out that you have, you know, a, a cancer. You didn't know. You just inherited it. And what do you know? What, you know, long shot, you actually have cancer. And you need hundreds of thousands of dollars for chemotherapy, radiation, hospital stays. What do you do? Well, you just go and you buy yourself some insurance, right? Because nobody can turn you down. No one can discriminate against you. Now, what they can do is charge you a 30% premium over what a healthy person would pay. So if a healthy person was going to pay $3,000 a year, now your insurance costs you $4,000 a year. Well, you still get your $2,000 uh, credit, so you're now spending $2,000 a year to buy insurance that you desperately need as opposed to paying $1,000 a year to buy insurance that you probably didn't need. Well, that's a great bargain. I mean, sure, pay the $2,000. First of all, let's assume you know five years goes by before you actually get the cancer. Well, you've saved $5,000 over those five years. Okay, so now you're paying an extra $1,000, you know, while you're having your treatment. I mean, who knows? You might not even live five years if the cancer kills you. And if it cures you, it'll probably do it early enough so that you can stop your insurance again once you no longer need uh, the therapy. If they get the cancer into remission, you finish all your expensive surgery, you can just drop your coverage again until something else goes wrong. And then you could buy it again. I mean, this is the ridiculous part of it. Nobody is talking about the fact that nobody is going to buy insurance when they're healthy, when there's probably not going to need it, when in the unlikely event they do need it, they could just buy the exact same coverage for just a little bit more. And in fact, what will really happen is a whole new industry will establish in the insurance market. In fact, I'd love to sell this product myself because it'll sell like hotcakes. Here's my idea. So let's say you're this young 20-year-old guy, and you decide you're not going to buy any insurance, right? Because you save $1,000 a year, right? Instead of having to put all that money aside in case you ever actually have to buy the insurance in the future because something really bad happens, how about if you just buy a policy that an insurance company can sell that basically says, if you ever need health insurance, if something ever goes wrong with you, this policy will pay you enough money to cover your premiums. See, that's really cheap insurance. I mean, let's say if actual health insurance, you know, costs you $3,000 a year because the health insurance company knows that if you get sick, they might have to come out of pocket hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even millions of dollars, right, to take care of you. But if I can buy a policy that will simply pay the premiums on my health insurance if I ever get really sick, I mean, what's the maximum? Well, if the maximum is, you know, $3,000 a year, $4,000 a year, I mean, I could probably buy that policy when I'm in my 20s, man, probably five bucks a week, a month, rather. I mean, 100 bucks a year. I mean, how expensive could a policy be where the most the insurance company would have to fork over in the event you put in a claim is they'd have to pay your insurance? You see, under normal circumstances, a policy like this couldn't exist because you couldn't wait until you were really sick to buy insurance because no insurance company would be dumb enough to sell you the policy, right? So you couldn't buy it. But if the, if the insurance company is mandated to sell you insurance, no matter how sick you are, no matter how much money you're going to spend, no matter how big your claims are going to be, then you don't actually need health insurance. You just need insurance to buy health insurance in case you get sick. So this entire industry could be created, which, of course, is going to unravel this whole plan. Because as more and more healthy people realize they don't need health insurance, they just need insurance in case they need health insurance, which is going to be dirt cheap. The only people who are going to be paying premiums into the insurance companies are the really sick people. And they're not paying insurance. It's like prepaid medical. 
I mean, it's like, again, if you could buy life insurance, the minute you got diagnosed with a terminal disease and the insurance companies couldn't discriminate against you, you know, how long would they stay in business? I mean, why buy life insurance when you're young and healthy? You're probably not going to die. In fact, maybe what if they said that you couldn't discriminate? Death wasn't a pre-existing condition. What if your estate can buy a life insurance policy on you post-mortem and the insurance companies couldn't turn you down on, on the basis that you're already dead? In other words, they don't even get to collect any premiums. They just immediately disperse a death benefit. Obviously, that industry couldn't survive. The insurance industry cannot survive the Republican replacement because as they drive the cost of insurance up, more and more people will be incentivized to drop it altogether, right? And just buy the insurance when they need it. But of course, the insurance companies won't even be in business when they need it because this law will drive them into bankruptcy. Now, maybe somebody in the Republicans will think about this and they'll make it illegal to sell insurance in case you need insurance. But even then, Americans can self-insure. Every year that you don't buy insurance, just put the money in, in, in the bank, invest it, buy mutual funds, right? buy gold, do something, generate a return. And then in the event that you ever need it, then you can start buying the insurance because you don't actually have to pay for your medical care. You just have to pay for the insurance. The insurance company is stuck paying for your medical care. Now, the way insurance is supposed to work, you have all these people that don't need medical care paying into a pool. Right? And now the people who actually need it, they end up pulling out of this pool. Right? That's how insurance works. You pool the risk. Right? It's pooled risk. That's what it's all about. But they want to turn it into a situation, the Republicans, where you're not pooling your risk because they don't want you to have to buy insurance if there's a risk, just only when you need it. Right? Oh, if you get sick, right, then you should be able to get it. But if you're not sick, well, then why buy it? So it can't work. We're not pooling risk. We want insurance companies to just give away free medical care. And they can't do that. You know, the bottom line is now that this entitlement is out there, right, now that Obama has ingrained in the American psyche this, you know, you right to health care, like free health care, the Republicans are afraid to take it away, even though they barely had it. And even though they admit it's a disaster, they, they need to preserve it. And, you know, it's almost like we're now on a preordained course to socialize medicine. Because once you've committed down this path, see, this is actually going to be worse. What the government is creating is probably going to be worse than European-style socialized medicine. Ultimately, we're going to have to go there as an improvement to where we're going because nobody wants to go to a free market. I mean, that is the best solution. That is the solution that delivers the highest quality health care at the lowest quality price. But politically, nobody wants to discuss that. No one wants to talk about it. It's been so politicized, this right, and to even talk about actually somebody having to pay for health care or having to give up something in order to buy health care. And, you know, no, no, it's all right. All, everybody has to get it for nothing. And the Republicans are now afraid to take away uh, what Obama just gave them. So all they want to do is rebrand it. They want to take credit for it so they can get the votes of the people who want the freebies. But of course, now they're going to own this whole thing when it collapses, as opposed to having Obama own it. But basically, we're opening up the door because ultimately the solution, and this is like the camel's nose under the tent, we are just ultimately headed for socialized medicine because that's actually going to be better than this. Right? As bad as that is, it'll probably be better than this. But of course, you know, then who suffers under that? It's the middle class, it's the poor who can't afford to leave the country when they actually need medical care. Right, right now, a lot of wealthy people that live in Europe come here when they need medical care. 
well, when, we, when we've ruined this, well, where, where are they going to go? Where, where are the Americans going to go? There's have to be some place in the world. But the rich will always have the ability to buy their way into better health care. It's always going to exist. It's the middle class, it's the poor that are going to be stuck in this government system. Just like the children of wealthy people have a way out of the public school system, right? The government has wrecked public education. They have taxed everybody. They've made it impossible for most middle class and poor people to get out of government schools. So they're stuck in these horrible schools. And so the kids don't learn anything. Meanwhile, wealthy people can afford to pay the taxes to fund public education, but then pay for the private school. So they can take their kids out of the hell that government has created, but the poor and the middle class, they're stuck in it. And that's always what happens, right? You, the government makes this deal. Yes, we're going to help you. We're going to take care of you. And it backfires. And the people who think they're getting something for nothing end up getting nothing for something, right? That's all that happens. And that's what happened with Obamacare. And that's happening now with Trump Care. And nobody is talking about these issues. There is simply no way to repeal Obamacare without repealing that prohibition against discriminating based on pre-existing conditions. Now, the best way to make sure that people don't have a pre-existing condition is to have the health insurance be portable. The reason that pre-existing conditions became a problem for most people is they lost their job. And when they lost their job, they lost their health insurance. And then between the time they lost their job and got another job, they developed a pre-existing condition. Or they had a condition at their initial employer. Now they lost their job and they lost their coverage. And now they're trying to buy new coverage, but no insurance company wants to cover them because it's a sure loser. I mean, if you're an insurance company, you're selling insurance, right? You're, sell you're, you're hoping to make money. You don't want to sign somebody up where you know it's a guaranteed loser, Right? You don't want to sign somebody up that you know is going to take out in benefits more than they're going to pay in the premiums. Nobody would do that. You're only signing people up that you, you think are healthy enough not to need the insurance. That is the nature of the business. Right? So what all the Congress needs to do and the Republicans is just get the tax incentives out of the code that married insurance with employment in the first place. So that when people buy their insurance, uh, it's not tied to their job. When somebody loses their job, they don't lose their life insurance. They don't lose their fire insurance. They don't lose their auto insurance. So if they can buy their health insurance directly, they won't lose that either. That's all the government has to do. Right? It's a very simple thing. It doesn't require a big bill. It's easy to do. But then they can't take credit for giving people something for nothing. And that's what they want to do. Today's financial advisors behave like pro-wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. Looking beyond the media hype can open a world of broader investing ideas. Euro-Pacific Capital is a registered investment advisor that offers stock-focused wealth management services that closely follow the strategy of our founder and CEO, Peter Schiff. We concentrate on those countries that are more closely in tune with Peter's vision of how capitalism is supposed to work. And these investments are not hard to find, provided you know where to look. Isn't it time you change the channel and let Euro-Pacific put a little reality back into your portfolio? If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro-Pacific Bank at europacbank.com. Euro-Pacific Capital and Euro-Pacific Bank are affiliated companies. Hello, this is Peter Schiff. I bet you didn't know that without silver, you wouldn't be hearing this podcast right now or be able to use a computer at all. 
From laptops to smartphones to TVs to speakers, virtually all modern electronics use silver to conduct electricity. Did you know that the average solar panel uses two-thirds of an ounce of silver to function? And the solar industry is expanding dramatically, not just in America, but in booming developing nations like China and India. Silver is naturally antibacterial and is used extensively in modern medicine. Silver coatings are being added to breathing tubes, bandages, catheters, and other medical instruments to reduce the spread of infections. When antibiotics fail, silver still works. I believe the 21st century will be the century of silver. As fiat currencies continue to collapse and new uses are found for silver every day, the white metal's strong industrial demand and low per ounce price will make it increasingly attractive to savers around the world. At today's prices, people of any age and background can afford to buy some silver. Learn why silver is a smart and reliable investment in my free special report, The Powerful Case for Silver. Visit shiftsilver.com and download it now. The Powerful Case for Silver includes information about silver's amazing chemical properties. It also explains why I believe silver may outperform gold in the coming years. Download The Powerful Case for Silver and educate yourself, your friends, and your family about the white metal. Just visit shiftsilver.com to download my free report. That's shiftsilver.com.